Though the global pandemic may be slowing things down, Spring Branch is taking tangible steps forward to keep our economy strong, like supporting our local businesses, linking them to free online business courses, and help from our top leaders. Spring Branch is working for businesses. Yours. Find out more at sbmd.org. All right, welcome into the fifth down the Houston Chronicles podcast on the Houston Texans. Joining us, Jonathan Alexander, who is the beat writer for the Chronicle covering the Texans, and I'm Jerome Solomon, columnist for the Chronicle. And uh, so much for the luck of the fifth down. The Texans suffered their first loss since the fifth down podcast has been operational, but it's not our fault. There's a lot of reasons that the Texans lost to the Jaguars on Sunday, and we'll dive into all of those here on this episode. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing good, man. Just uh, today's my birthday. Oh, well, happy birthday. You old enough to drink now? You're like 21? Is that what it is? Well beyond <laughs> 21. <laughs> well, happy birthday. Any special plans? Uh, just trying to eat some good food. I, I don't know what to do on a Monday. So other than that, you know, I love to eat. So <clears throat> if y'all have any recommendations for any restaurant restaurants, let me know. I hit him up on uh, X. He is there, easy to find. Um, and you find all of his Texans content as well as, and in fact, we might even, we're going to go over some of the, something that he tweeted out uh, on Monday, the Texans packed to the playoffs. But let's do a recap of the game first before we move the conversation forward. Tough loss for the Texans, 24-21 to the Jaguars. The overall play from them was just not, not up to par, not up to their standard and what they would like. And yet it came down to a final field goal that could have tied the game and sent it in overtime, a 58-yard try, Matt Amendola. And it went 58 yards, but it needed to go a few inches farther. It hit, I mean, it was dead center too. It hit the crossbar, bounced back into the field of play. No good from 58, and the Texans suffered the loss. Uh, a tough loss for him, Jonathan. Yeah, man, it was. This was an important game for the Texans. Uh, if they had beaten the Jaguars, they would have shot up to about fourth in the AFC standings, and they would have been first place in the AFC South. So you lose this game, and now every game from here on out becomes super important because the AFC races is extra close. They're sitting at I think eighth right now, which would be out of the playoffs, but. I think the Jaguars were just a better team. They looked like a better team. They looked more prepared. Uh, they looked ready. And uh, they were one step ahead of the Texans. And never, I don't know about you, Jerome, but never throughout that game did I feel like uh, the Texans were a better team than the Jaguars. You know, some games you can look at a team and you say, oh, they're just playing very bad right now. And they're going to kick it up a notch, but it just felt like the the Jaguars knew what they were going to do. There was no pressure on the quarterback. Uh, they CJ Stroud was getting pressure. He played a great game, and they only had with twenty one points. So it, I, I just think it just showed that the Texans still have a little bit of ways to go. Oh, no question about that. But I I will uh, disagree on on a certain sense. Um, like you said, you never felt that the Texans were the better team, but I never felt that they were out of the game either. And they were well within the game, even into the fourth quarter when they finally went down by 10 points. And it still had the makings of if they that they could pull this off if they, you know, 
executed better. And they just they did not execute offensively or defensively for the most part of the game. I mean, defensively, um, you know, when you give up four plays of forty-two or more yards, you're not you're just not playing good, solid, sound defense, and you're being out schemed because only a couple of those were long passes. Two of them were short throws that guys just were running free in the secondary because they got out in space and uh, just streaked down the field. And that's not uh, the kind of defense that D'Amico Ryans wants his team to play. Clearly, they were out-schemed in those situations. And they were out-schemed up front on with the Jaguars' defensive line. I mean, everything they wanted to do, they were in the backfield all day long. And the Texans, we, we're pretty sure they don't have a good running game. They showed us one the last couple of weeks, but I don't know if that was a fluke, but they certainly couldn't run the ball um, on Sunday with the running back. So it was it was not a good performance by them. I I just I don't think it drew a huge line between in the difference between the two teams because again, with all the uh, you know, lack of playing well or failure to execute and some mistakes and critical penalties from defensive backs, you know, committing penalties, you could argue whether or not they were good calls, but they were called. Um and they were still within a play of winning the game. I, I think it says a lot about the Texans. If they play better, they win that game. Yeah, I, I do think it speaks to the offense and how talented it is and how explosive it is that they're able to come back even when down, like even when they're down two scores, they're never really out of it. And I think that that speaks a lot to C.J. Stroud and what he's able to do because oftentimes during that game, he was kind of extending plays, r- r- running for his life, and I, I don't totally put that on the offensive line because there were some plays where he was in the pockets for 10 seconds. Yeah, yeah, but but that it came from one receiver's not being open or the, yeah. and the type of play calling. And we're going to definitely dive into some play calling here too. Well, yeah, that's what I was about to say. The the receivers just weren't always open uh, at times. And I, and I think that's why CJ had to extend plays. Um, but... You know, having said that, this was a, in in my opinion, a, a critical game that they really needed to win to make it a little bit more comfortable. Their path to the playoffs a little bit more comfortable. And uh, time and time again, <clears throat> they either committed those penalties, like you said, or or the Jaguars gassed them for those forty yard gains. They had four of them. I think that was a, definitely a season high against them. I haven't seen them give up that many big plays since. 2022 yeah three of them in the, in the second quarter alone um no it, it's that the, the line did not play well i mean it, it's it's plain and simple I, I regardless of what cj was doing back there most of the time he was extending plays but he was on the run because of the early pressure the jaguars were getting on him so they they get pressure on him nobody was open there and he'd start running around trying to wheel somebody to get open but that's why i also point to the play calling or Maybe not even the play calling, but the play design. Earlier in the season, we were, you know, getting back and forth about them just throwing everything short and checking down and or, or a lot of stuff underneath and not challenging a defense. Well, they went too far the other way uh, against the Jaguars. I, it, it just seemed like they should have had some some shorter stuff, but give him some more options underneath to move the sticks and, and you know. Uh, maintain possession. Yeah, there were some next gen sat- stats that I was seeing that he was running around and, 
and had more time to throw technically because he had the ball in his hands longer than any other game for this season. Uh, for any quarterback in the league, he's like the second longest amount of time to throw the ball. And that just came from him playing around in the pocket. He By playing around in the pocket, he got hit a bunch of times. He was, you know, he was limping from about the second quarter on. His left ankle seemed to be giving him a problem. And he had to run a lot. And he's not, not really a running quarterback. He can he run, can. but you don't want him out there running. Yeah, you definitely don't. Uh, yeah, he, He's the, the future for them. And you one of the stats I saw next gen was I think Laramie Tunsil had given up about eight pressures to Josh Allen. Josh Allen had a game. Josh and Josh Allen is and he's a great pass rusher. Don't don't get me wrong, but you don't usually see that from Laramie Tunsil. I think he had never given up. He hadn't given up more than four quarterback pressures against one single player in six years. So that was uncharacteristic of him. Titus Titus Howard went down. With an injury in that first quarter, uh, plays left guard. Just first came in, played well, but you have to be concerned uh, with that injury moving forward because Howard was carted off. So definitely some concerns there about the Texans and the health and that offensive line. And, and was this a one-off thing, or or can they get back to to where they were and 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 keeping CJ Stroud upright? And and that's going to be important going forward. Yeah, and it is one of those things you do have to give. Jaguars some credit. They they get after quarterbacks. I mean, they you know they and that dude Josh Allen is he's he's a man. I mean, he 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 put in he put in some work. He was he was really getting after it. But those couple of sacks that he was involved in on the final possession of the game is why the Texans were kicking a fifty eight yard field goal instead of something a lot shorter and uh, more ma- more makeable as it were for Amendola, who's never made a kick over fifty yards uh, in the NFL. And it was just but I, I still, the the winning that game would have flipped the entire season in a lot of ways because they would have, you know, be 2-0 against Jacksonville and have the same record, but they would hold the tiebreaker, of course. But whatever would have happened yesterday, the Texans hold their destiny in their own hands, and they would have either way. It's That's just the way it's going to be this season now that they've put themselves in the playoff hunt. And if you're in the playoff hunt, you know what you got to do? You got to hunt. You know, you have to keep going in it. And it doesn't, I mean, a, a month ago, we would have said the Denver game is a game the Texans should be favored in. They're at home. They should be able to handle business. And now we look up and Denver comes in here with a five-game winning streak next week and have, you know, they have the same record, you know. So that that's a critical game for the playoffs. It's a conference game and the conference record is tiebreaker factor. Denver is one of those teams that could be, you know, in the wild card chase with them. So a victory over them gives you that tiebreaker, et cetera. And it's going to be like that for the rest of the way. Yeah. I think the Texans got one of the next game, next three games, at least the next four games, really. You got the Broncos, which like you said, is critical for the playoff chance because Broncos in the hunt, Jets, Titans, and then Browns, Browns who also in the hunt. Texans are one game behind the Browns. Right. I mean, that's, it's, 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 there, there is, there's no week off here, and you know every every win is a big win, and every loss is going to be a big loss. I mean, that's just just that's just the way it breaks down right there. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I thought, you know, you get this win against the Jaguars, you give yourself a little bit more breather room. But um, 
the last seven games the Texans have played have been one score games, so they're not gonna make anything easy. Um, yeah, so we'll see how that goes going forward. Yeah, um, let's talk a little bit about the defense. I mean, what did they have to say about their performance yesterday? Yeah, I thought that they thought they were up and down. They thought they could have played a lot better. Like particularly talked to some of the pass rushers, like Will Anderson, who you know felt the Jaguars did a great job of getting the ball out quickly to protect Trevor Lawrence from getting hit, but they just still felt like they could have rushed better as a pass rushing team. Uh, the secondary was upset. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and real quick, yeah, you you can't have uh, a, a successful day as a defense when you have zero sacks. <laughs> like, and, and the quarterback might throw, uh, they threw 30 passes or something. So it wasn't like they were just running the ball. I mean, they were back there passing and, and Lawrence has a strong arm and he can get rid of it quick, but you gotta you gotta you gotta get a hand on it. Yeah, you yes. And and that was uncharacteristic from how they had improved the last five weeks or so. They had six sacks against the Panthers, they had two against the Bucks, um, four against Joe Burrow and the and the Bengals, and three against Kyler Murray. So they had been doing a great job of getting to the quarterback and then you get to this Jaguars game and, you know, the pass rush was non-existent, which put a little bit more pressure on the secondary who gave up multiple explosive plays. Yeah, they were, um, getting, sm- they were getting smoked back there pretty pretty regularly. Yeah, Kirk and, and, and Ridley, it just seemed like they were just making plays after play. I think both had 87 yards or more. But, uh, yeah, so they they – they recognize the mistakes that they made and they, they know that it's unacceptable and they're going to have to play better. They did have some good moments, though, like that that stop that in at the end of the first half, well, that goal line stop where the Jaguars tried to go for a touchdown and, and Texans, uh, you know, stopped it short. And then there were a couple of stops in the fourth quarter. The stop in the fourth quarter that where they forced Jaguars to punt the ball and, and gave the Texans a chance to win. So there were some good moments in that game, but there were also some uncharacteristic uh, play from the defense, like in particular not getting after after the quarterback and, and giving up those explosive plays, which really hasn't happened all year. Hey, uh, let's take a side step here. I want you to share some story. It, it would have been kind of lost in the shuffle, I'm sure, because of the loss, but it would I thought it would have been a, an, an interesting sidebar that play you talked about and describe the situation, the uh, Jaguars made a long play and got to the one-yard line in the final seconds of the half, and they had a choice of taking a field goal for three points, a little chip shot, or trying to score a touchdown. I, I was you know, saying, oh, if I was him, I would take the touchdown and try to get the touchdown. And see, They were going to get the ball coming out of the third quarter, and seven points is better than three all day. Greg Rajan, one of our editors, is – he wants the three points. He's so conservative. But uh, uh, but anyway, the tackle on that play was made by King, who wasn't even in the league a couple of weeks ago. He played for the Texans for two years and then got released here at the beginning of training camp, went to the Steelers and was there for a while this season and was released you know, in October. Uh, talk about how big that would have been for him. I mean, it, it was a big play for him anyway to be back for just what he just signed uh, last Monday with the Texans on the practice squad and, and got to play. But I know you know a little bit more about his story than anyone. 
Yeah, Desmond King uh, had played with the Texans for, since 2021 and in the 2022 season. And he had been a big special teams player and, and starter at, at, at nickel. And then comes into the 2023 season training camp and was one of the unexpected cuts that we didn't think would happen. But he ended up coming back uh, two weeks ago, or a week ago. Texans signed him to their practice squad. And he said, yeah, after he had, because after he got cut by the Texans, the, the Steelers picked him up and then cut him um, in the season. And he said he kept he kept up with what the Texans were doing because that's his team. That's who he had played for. Um, and when he got the opportunity to play for the Texans, he jumped on it. And, yeah, I'm looking at the play right now. It was a huge play because he was, it was basically one-on-one. He was the one in that whole response. But he misses that. Travis Etienne walks in the end zone easily. Right? Oh, easily. So he slowed it down. He 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 got the stop, and Blake Cashman uh, finished it up with a lot of other players. And and if the Jaguars score in that moment, I think what did they go up by two scores at that point? Mm-hmm. Right, and then and then they had the ball to start the third quarter, so they they could have they could have turned it into a route real quick yeah. there. Yeah, it would have been twenty to seven with the ball to start uh, in the second half, so it could have turned into a route just like you said. So that was a huge play and. One that you know didn't get get really talked about as much because of the loss, um, but huge huge way to make a play in your first game back, and, and when you're trying to really prove yourself. Indeed, and the secondary had had a tough time of it. What uh, in looking forward here, the the Broncos come in. Can you tell us a little bit about what their offenses look like? I know everybody knows Russell Wilson and. He hadn't been the Russell Wilson that we knew from Seattle for the last couple of years or so, but uh, they're winning games right now, and he's obviously playing better. Yeah, yeah. he his stats. I looked at him. He, he's not lighting it up, <laughs> but but they're scoring enough to win. But they're doing enough win. They're beating good teams. You beat the with the look the Browns playoff caliber team, the Vikings, the Vikings. Who are playing? Who even though they don't have Kirk Cousins, they're playing really well. The Bills, the Kansas City, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Those are their four wins. Like they, they're not beating bad teams. And and I think you know Russell Wilson, twenty touchdowns, four interceptions. That, that has to be among the best in the NFL as far as touchdown to interception ratio. He seems to be revitalized, even though he's not having huge games. He doesn't need to have. Huge games. They're they've been pretty balanced uh, with their run and pass, and, and uh, you know they have a really good two wide receiver combination in in Cortland Sutton and, and Jared Judy. So they have multiple options and guys uh, they can they can throw to. Uh, Samaje uh, Perine is also also uh, playing well. So I think the the Broncos really have been one of the surprise teams because of where they were last year. They were just in a horrible place. They were along with the Texans as one of the worst teams in the league last year, and and they just kind of turned things around. And I think I was talking to a Broncos fan. I said, "What?" Before this podcast, I said, "What do you think changed things uh, for you guys?" He was like, "Really? I think that that seventy uh, point performance of the Dolphins put up on them earlier this year really kind of changed their mindset, and and players really started locking in, and 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 they knew from there. Um, they 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 just turned things around from there." Yeah, yeah, they lost to at Miami in week three, seventy to twenty, 
and that sent them, they were 0-3 at the time, but since then they've come back, and now they won five in a row, as Jonathan said, to, to put themselves at 6-5 and five record and right in the thick of the playoff race. Um, you know, you, you got a new coach in Sean Payton, and unlike the Texas new coach in D'Amico Ryan's, Payton's a veteran. He's been around for a long time. You knew uh, the guy can coach. He coached New Orleans to a Super Bowl victory, and, and you knew he'd be able to, to eventually get them there. Uh, and Russell Wilson, one thing that, to look for in Sunday's game as well is Russell will run the ball. He's an outstanding uh, running quarterback. And I, I'm looking at it now. He has, he has 266 rushing yards. It, shoot, he might be leading the Texans if he <laughs> if he ran for that. <laughs> the Texans running game is not particularly stout. Um, so that's that's something the Texan gonna, uh, defense going to have to be cognizant of. It'll be a totally different type of game and style of game than they had uh, against the Jaguars. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be I, I, it's going to be another tough one, and uh, the Broncos just might be the the hottest team in the NFL right now. And and um, you know whoever wins this, I think will be one of those final wild card teams in the playoffs. So. Yeah, I mean this this gives you a leg up uh in a lot of ways. And I mean if you look at the, the, the playoff standings, um there are six seven teams make the playoffs. There are six teams with rec- with only four losses or less. Uh but when you look at that seven spot, the Colts who are in the Texan division, the Texans, the Broncos all have five losses, the Bills and Bengals have six. So from that group of five teams, only one of them can get into the playoffs. And the Browns with four losses, the Steelers with four losses, miraculously. <laughs> but the Texans have already beaten the Steelers. They could beat the Browns. They played them on Christmas week, I believe, uh, here at the NRG Stadium. So the Texans are in really good shape because of the teams they play. They can hold tiebreakers over all of them by beating them. It, it's that simple. They have the Colts still remaining on the schedule. So, the, I mean, the teams that they're going to be fighting against, they're going to be playing or have already played them. So it it really looks good for them, but they have to they have to compete. They have to play better than they did yesterday uh, or just pull off a miracle like they almost did. <laughs> and we, uh, I know uh, D'Amico Ryan's talked about it Sunday after the game. I'm sure he'll dive into it a little bit more this week. Um, but the couple of timeouts that they had to blow, it, that turned out to be really costly because I, 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 I have no doubt that if they had a couple more timeouts or some more time, that uh, that final drive would have played out a little differently. And you give C.J. Stroud enough time, he can get the team in either into better field goal range or they could have scored a touchdown to win that game. Yeah, they just looked like they were in a rush during that last drive. It, it it didn't look as as smooth as it possibly could have been. Like I don't know the the game again. They were in a rush against the Buccaneers a few weeks ago, but they just they looked. But when you take a sack on first down a couple of times, that 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 makes you look more frantic because now you know you're. But against the Buccaneers, they were rushing, but it was everything was positive. There was no. I, there was no negative plays, you know. They, I headed the sticks the whole time. Yeah, they they looked a little bit more sure of themselves. Um, but you know that 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 sack definitely definitely hurt them. Um, but you know, like you said, um, 
you know, when you when you when you take a when you take a set like that for a big loss, it, it kind of changes your play calling. It changes what you have to do. Uh, you know, CJ Stroud started, you know, doing some backyard football things to kind of make up for the wide receivers not getting open. Um, but yeah, they have to be be better in, in that in that aspect. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they they took over first and ten at their own eleven yard line with three oh one to play. That's a lot of time. But they only have one timeout, so that that yeah. was that was a bit of a problem. I think they got a horrible spot on the first play too. Too, yeah, for sure. And and the timeout would have helped calm them down for sure. You know, if they have more. Yeah, you can lock in and focus on what you're trying to run. But so they pick up a first down stride with a scramble, um, and then they got another first down um, with the, the pass to uh, Brevin Jordan. But then on first and ten from their own forty-seven, they take a fifteen-yard sack. You know, and that and that first and ten at basically at midfield with two twenty to play, you got all day to go fifty yards to, to score the game winning touchdown. But you take a fifteen yard sack, that's gonna kill you. They got a first down even on second and twenty five. They managed to get a first down. And then what happened on first down from the Jacksonville thirty seven with a minute and ten to go? Sacked again. You know? And that I mean that you get backed up like that, boy, it just throws you off and that's why they end up trying to kick um, you know, a 58-yard field goal. I, what were what were your thoughts on the decision to go for the field goal as opposed to trying for fourth and twelve? Well, yeah, I was actually going to ask you that. Um, yeah, I I didn't I didn't agree with it because even if it was from 50 yards, I mean, you have to line up and kick off to kick a field goal in that situation but man Amendola had been struggling to to me he's starting to he looks like he's starting to lose a little bit of confidence he says he's confident but uh when you miss a field goal like that you start to be concerned I, I would have had a little bit more faith in in CJ making a play on fourth and 12 and really they didn't have any timeouts so it would have had to been a play where they get out of bounds uh super quick or or, or get to the line so you yeah, see that that's that's what the problem was like that that I well one I think if you if you look at the numbers the odds and the percentages of making fourth and twelve uh is pretty low and the percentage of making fifty eight yard field goal is not great but it's better than the odds of making a fourth and twelve. The problem is like you said if you're saying that you think your kicker is, is a little suspect, well you're not gonna score a touchdown in that situation because you blew your timeouts and you don't have enough time necessarily unless you get really lucky. Um so now you need to not only make a playoff fourth and 12 and get more than 12 yards, then rush up most likely uh, and clock the ball, and then have your kicker who you say you're lacking confidence come out and kick a field goal anyway. <laughs> so, so you have to make two other plays for him to come out and to try a shorter field goal, which obviously gives you better odds. But in just making a long field goal, he's got the leg. Obviously, we saw that. He could, he could get it there. It was just a little bit short, you know, from where it needed to be. So no, I, I didn't have a problem with the decision because I thought you're asking too much. Uh, and they, they shouldn't have been in that situation. They put themselves in that situation with blowing the timeouts and with taking two. You, you don't have game-winning drives, 90-yard game-winning drives necessarily uh, with two sacks in them. You just, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the statistics are. I used to have them handy, but um, the percentage of, drives that end in points when you take a sack is very low when you take two sacks it, i mean 
Right. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. They, and they, they needed a, they needed a more explosive plays on that drive to score. They needed more rhythm and they just didn't have any rhythm. And then, and that was because Jaguars just outplayed them on that series in my opinion. And they basically, as you said, from the start here, they outplayed them on the day. Texans, Texans felt they could have played a lot better. And obviously every team does when they lose, but there were plenty of things that they can point to that it was out of character for them. And part of that, you know, like I say, the explosive plays allowed on defense, the just quarterback under pressure and not getting any pressure on the opposing team's quarterback. So I, I expect to see them play a lot better this week against Denver. It's, you know, one thing that D'Amico talks about is you, know, you don't prepare harder after a loss. You prepare the same way every week because that way there's no, I mean, that means you didn't prepare hard enough the week before if you prepare harder the next week. But there's always a different uh, focus in a week after coming off of a defeat versus, you know, just celebrating a victory. And so I, I expect them to come in and get off to a better start be a little more focused this week against Broncos. You see that same as well. Yeah, for sure. The Texans have done a great job of, of bouncing back after losses. And since that those first two weeks, I don't think they've had two losses in a row. Um, so, you know, I, I fully expect them to to respond and and it be a competitive game and, and the best teams gonna win on Sunday. I don't I don't think if the Texans lose, it'll be because they they made critical mistakes. It'll be because the Broncos were just a better team and outplayed them. So we'll see what it kind of goes. Yeah, the, um, I'm trying to think of the. Um, I, I haven't seen the line for it, but my guess is that uh, it'll be kind of a pick 'em. Like the the Jaguars game was pretty much a pick 'em. Think by the end of the week, it was uh, by kickoff time the Jaguars were like a one point favorite. Um, so I'm expecting it to be similar to that with the the Bing. I mean, uh, with the Broncos. But I would be surprised if the Texans don't bounce back and pull off this win. And this is one of those victories, just like this Jaguars game. You win this one, it gives you a leg up on the Broncos and on all those teams that are there with four and, with four and five losses that you'll be battling for the wild card. It, it's it's going to be a, a fun December here, dude. We've got a team that's in the hut. Haven't had a team in the hut in Houston in a long time. Yeah. Texas and Rockets. Playing, playing good, uh, playing good for putting on for the city of Houston. So it should be interesting. First year coaches getting it done. Hey, that's it for the fifth down. I'd like to thank Pirate Audio for producing this. Jonathan Alexander, check us out at HoustonChronicle.com, uh, Texas Sports Nation, all of our Texans coverage. And we're all over everything that's happening with the team. We'll have injury reports throughout the week. Big news to come on Titus Howard, who is kind of critical because he's one of the best offensive linemen and had been playing well. Um, once he got healthy, he was hurt earlier in the season or in training camp and missed the early part of the season. So that'll be the big news to keep your eye out on. Uh, and of course, in the Chronicle, we've all over the University of Houston coaches search. We were first to break the news, just Duarte on uh, Dana Hogerson being fired. We were with the first to come up with the new coach at Texas A&M, Brent Zwerneman. Uh, had that news there. So HoustonChronicle.com is your place to go for football and the fifth down is where you go for Texans Talk. We'll see you next week.